Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. playing in the background telling you that it's the most wonderful time of the year right I like to ask people what is some of the traditions they have surrounding Christmas and sometimes I'm a little surprised sometimes the response seems like it's just another day it's just another kind of of week I think it's pretty fair to say that most people in this world like to celebrate Christmas but, but of course, Christmas is celebrated for different reasons. I mean, the, if you've been watching the Hallmark movie channel, for example, they will tell you that Christmas is all about magic. Where all these Christmas miracles take place and you find this one true love that you've been longing for and even where families are able to put aside their differences and spend time together. We also know that many different religions celebrate Christmas. Where it's all about the presents and the trees and lots of food. I was reading this week and I was reading that, for example, one source indicates that, that Buddhists celebrate Christmas, interestingly. Well, they see Jesus as a man and a teacher, but rather than viewing Him as the Messiah... Well, they think of him as someone that just complements the religion of Buddha. And so during this festive time, they, they're focusing on peace and goodwill by giving gifts and sending cards to people they love. Then, of course, you have the Jewish people who celebrate Hanukkah, which is this eight-day event where they must light up their fancy candles and eat these big meals. And in this time, they celebrate how... Jewish people were able to reclaim their land. Now when I think about Christmas, and the kind of experiences I had when I was growing up as a child, then I remember all these times where the children had to put on the concert. This nativity scene, we have Joseph and you have Mary, you have the three wise men and you have the shepherds and the animals. You have some sort of plastic doll that lies in this manger that represents baby Jesus. And there was always this fight amongst the children about who could be the angel. Who could be the angel? Because the angels, angels were these cool creatures, you know. You want to be an angel. You get to wear these white gowns and put on these big massive white wings. Now, I think if we're honest, many people have different ideas when it comes to angels. They're like these strange, supernatural characters that we usually only think about when it comes to Christmas. 
And perhaps many of us don't know much about angels, where they are, what they're busy doing. They're these mystical creatures that we don't know much about. But the Bible tells us that the angels were ministering to Jesus and the apostles. And believe it or not, the angels are still ministering to us today. And you're like, what are you talking about? What is this guy talking about? And what I mean is that we can learn a lot from the angels when we stop and look at their example to us. If you consider what the Bible has to say about angels, then you notice, for example, all the way back in Genesis 3.24, you have this, this cherubim, this, this serious angel that was on duty to guard the Garden of Eden. And he has to guard the Garden of Eden to protect people from what? From the holiness of God. Because sin has entered the picture. And now God cannot be with these people like He was before. Because God is simply too holy. In fact, you see that angels understood that man had a sin problem. Samuel tells us and Samuel, there were these wise beings rejoiced when people repented of their sins. Same thing again in Luke 15.10. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. These are beings who feared God in the right way. These are beings who can be visible and invisible. They can travel without any passport restrictions. They can move between heaven and earth. In John's Gospel, Jesus is busy calling Nathaniel to follow him. You remember the story of Nathaniel? And Nathaniel's amazed at how Jesus was able to know who he was and where he was. And so Jesus says to him in John 1, verse 51 Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Angels can move with freedom. They're also multilingual, being able to communicate in whatever language is needed. And so when they speak, it's important that we listen. Because one of their primary roles was that of being messengers. Messengers. Messengers who carry important news from God to man. And we know that the angels were at their very first Christmas, weren't they? And that is why I thought we could take some time today and consider what we can learn from the angels about what Christmas is actually all about. What we can learn from the angels about what Christmas is all about. Now, a few years ago, there was this animated movie that came out it's called The Star. I hope you've seen it. It's actually pretty good. It's called The Star. It's this cool movie about the birth of Jesus, but it's from the perspective of the animals. Such a fun movie. But in a similar sense, what I want us to do today is to get the perspective of the birth of Jesus, but from the angels. I want us to learn from the angels what Christmas is really about. 
So take your Bibles with me and let us turn to one of the most famous passages when it comes to the birth of Jesus. Let's turn to Luke chapter 2. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2 and we're going to read from verses 8 to 20. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8 up until verse 20. You know the story. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it has been told to them. I mean, how many times have you read that portion of Scripture when it comes to Christmas, right? If we are going to consider what we can learn from the angels about Christmas is all about, then we're going to look at the angels' appearance, we're going to look at the angels' announcement, and then we're going to look at the angels' song. So the first thing I want us to consider is the angels' appearance. Look at verses 8 and 9 again. Luke writes this detailed account of the first Christmas. And he takes us to the open fields just outside of Bethlehem. And he says, And in the same region where the shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. One of the very first things that encourages me as I read this portion of Scripture, is how detailed God is in communicating to us the setting for the arrival of His Son. Here you have these ordinary sheep-smelling shepherds who were not regarded as any significant people in society. In fact, it was pretty widely known in those times that you, can, you can't really take anything these guys were saying very seriously. Their honesty and integrity were so dodgy in those days that they were not even allowed to give a testimony in court. So for example, let's say there was this accident 
on the road between Nazareth and Bethlehem and the only people who saw what was happening were the shepherds in the field, you might as well give up your case because the testimony of these shepherds meant nothing. If you were a shepherd, you weren't really welcome to even partake in some of the formal religious events either. But what is kind of ironic here is that many scholars think that these sheep, the ones they were looking after in the field, were the sheep they were grooming for temporal sacrifices. And so as we look at the scene here in Luke, we know it's dark. The text tells us that these shepherds were out in the fields and they were looking at the, after the sheep at night. So it's night time. And at night time, they would usually gather all the sheep together and they would guard them so that no one could get in and no sheep could get out. But then all of a sudden, this angel shows up. And this angel is not invisible. He has become very visible because verse 9 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And what was it like when this angel showed up? And the glory of the Lord shone around them. See, there's a few times in the Bible where it describes to us when the glory of the Lord was visible in some sense. Back in Exodus 16.10, it tells us that the glory of the Lord was like this great cloud. Exodus 24.17, God's special presence is described as fire. It says, now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. And now here in Luke, the glory of the Lord, His special presence is described as, as shining as this angel appears because it's shown around them it was this dramatic intense presence of light when this angel showed up which was so dramatic that the shepherds were naturally what afraid when the glory of the lord shone around them they were filled with great fear the text says when God's special presence showed up in this dramatic way, it usually caused people to be afraid. Given the Old Testament context, it would mean some sort of judgment. But here's the striking light that causes the shepherds to be afraid, perhaps so that they can be humbled to receive the very important message that is about to follow. We think of Zechariah back in Luke 1.8, who was confronted with the angel of the Lord as well, who was, and he also responded with what? With great fear. I think we all understand that if an angel showed up when we're just minding our own business, a natural response would be a response of fear, right? And what is so striking about the appearance of this angel is not, he is not appearing to the emperor, is he? He's not appearing to the rulers or the influential people in government. God decided to send this angelic messenger to these nobodies in society. In other words, here we already see something about the very first Christmas, that God uses these nobodies to advance His great plan of redemption. 
You see, when God appeared in the burning bush to call a leader to lead his people out of slavery, he chose a man called Moses who was living in the Midianite desert who was also busy, what? Attending sheep. When Israel became this, this great nation, God called a shepherd boy named David to become their king. And so you can see the pattern here. Many insignificant people in history have been called by God to be His servants. And the same is still true today. God is still busy using insignificant people like you and me to share about what Christmas is really all about. And it was to such people again here in the fields outside of Bethlehem that God sent the angel. God sent this, this amazing messenger with the most important announcement ever. Which then brings us secondly to the angel's announcement. The angel's announcement. We can learn what Christmas is really about when we listen to the announcement of this angel. Because what does this angel go to tell these seemingly random and non-significant smelly shepherds? Look at verses 10 to 12. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. First thing you notice here is that this angel tries to give the shepherds a word of encouragement. A word of assurance by saying, fear not. They're scared. And he's like, fear not, don't freak out on me. Because this is not a moment of judgment. This is a glorious moment where I get to tell you the most important news ever. Here you have all these men who've maybe been talking to sheep all day, and now all of a sudden they're talking to this glorious angel. And he wants to tell them very important news. And what kind of news? He says, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. In the original Greek, we get the word euangelion, which we translate as evangelizing, right? I, it's like he's saying, I bring you gospel. I evangelize you. I'm coming to evangelize you. I'm coming to tell you about the great news, the good news of great joy. This is the same news that the prophet Isaiah was talking about so many years before. This appearance of the angel, Isaiah 40 verse 9. Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, say, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold the Lord God comes with might and in his arms rules for him, behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. 
He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with young. See, what Isaiah is talking about and prophesying is busy happening here. The angel is coming to give the shepherds this good news about the great shepherd. Now look at verse 11 more specifically. For unto you is born this day the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The greatest announcement ever to be made in the history of our existence is the arrival of Jesus. Christmas is about the news of great joy regarding the arrival of Jesus. And if you don't understand who Jesus really is, then you don't understand why we even celebrate Christmas. Too many people say they're interested in Jesus. Many people think they understand that Christmas is about the Son of God who was lying in a manger. But the announcement of the angel helps us see who Jesus really is. Because who was born on that day in the city of David? And by the way, the city of David is referring, of course, to Bethlehem, where David was born. The same place that the prophet Micah was talking about 700 years before, telling us the Messiah will come from this very location. And so we can learn there was a real location. You can even still visit Bethlehem today. It's not just this mystical story that we read and talk about at Christmas time. And you have this angel who has this amazing privilege to make this dramatic announcement to say that a baby has arrived. And it's not just any baby. It's the Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now church, if you have ever sinned in your life, guess what you need? You need a Savior. If you have ever loved the things of this world more than you have loved your Creator, you need a Savior. If you've ever failed to do what God says you should do, you need a Savior. If you've ever felt the guilt of doing something you shouldn't be doing, you need a Savior. If you ever felt the shame of doing something you know you should not be doing, you need a Savior. Someone that can come to remove that guilt and shame. Someone that can take away the punishment for that sin. Which means, if we think about it, Christmas should remind all of us that we're sinners, right? Christmas should remind all of us that we are sinners. But it also reminds us that we have a Savior for that sin. Because Jesus is not just a great prophet. He's not just a great teacher like the Buddhist thinks, along with so many other religions. He is the only Savior. And not just a Savior, He's also Christ the Lord. Christ is the English for Christos, which we know by now means anointed one. Which is the meaning of Messiah. 
The angel gets to announce the, the long-awaited Messiah is finally here. The long-awaited Savior is here. Ever since man has messed up everything, and even since we've had this gospel promise back in Genesis 3, that's going to talk about defeating Satan, sin, and death, there's been this ongoing longing, this ongoing expectation for a Messiah to come. An expectation for the anointed one to come. And we know kings were anointed to rule. We know prophets were anointed to speak. We know priests were anointed to perform certain ceremony, ceremonies to help with the sacrifice for sin. But the thing is, we have never had a king who reigned over our hearts. And now he's here. The Savior who is Christ the Lord. The most powerful Lord or ruler of that time. Everyone thought it was going to be Caesar Augustus. He was so powerful that many people gave him the title of Savior. So everyone knew this idea of Savior. He's the one that gave the decree that everyone should be taxed. And his decree spread all over the Roman Empire and it made it all its way to Bethlehem. And see, so here you have Joseph, Mary, traveling. Because the most powerful Lord of that time said they need to be registered. But like how one man says, he says, A greater decree had been issued in the councils of eternity from the throne of the Almighty God. It's a decree or announcement that said that through Jesus Christ, the Lord, the forgiveness of sins will be made possible for sinners. There might be rulers and authorities that seek to tell us what to do, but here's the arrival of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. The King over all kings. Which means when we slow down and think about Christmas, we are recognizing that through this amazing announcement, light has truly come into darkness. You see, when Spear and Boosie or even Rudy and Anna made the announcement of the arrival of their baby, they could say, hey, here, look, a sinner is born. But when the angel made this announcement, he could say, Here is the Savior for that very sinner. A Savior has been born. The Anointed One has been born. The Messiah is here. The true King of the universe is here. And why is He here? Who did he come for? Look at the beginning of verse 11. For unto you. For unto you. The king has come for you. This birth announcement is for you. Again, it echoes the words of Isaiah, who said in Isaiah 9, verses 67, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and, uh, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
the angel is coming to us and saying, for you a Savior is born. For you, this anointed prophet, priest, and king is born. This gospel is for you. Jesus didn't come for some vague, general reason. He came for you. I wonder if anybody's saying, Do you truly believe that? Everyone has been waiting so long for the true Messiah, the true King to come. Now, should the shepherds of the field must be out of the way? I'm wondering, is all of this stuff even real? So, verse 12, the angel said, Do you believe in time? And this will be a sign for you. You will find faith right in the spot of us, lying in the midst. God said, Jesus, He didn't send him to Victoria East Hospital. He didn't send him to the best village in Brazil. He sent him to our humble lady. Our glory is the only by veiling His glory that shines with even greater brightness, taking on the form of a servant found in a simple manger, because as God would have it, there was no room at the inn. My concern is maybe there's no room in your heart for Him as well. Look at what happens next. When the angel had announced this amazing news about the arrival of Jesus to the shepherds and told them where they would find him, then suddenly there was this noise like there's never been before. To understand what Christmas is really about, we've talked about the angel's appearance, we've talked about this amazing announcement, and now thirdly, the angel's song. Look at verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. You see, it took one angel to come at the perfect time to meet with these nobody shepherds. But as soon as this great announcement was out, as soon as the news about our coming Savior was out, look who shows up. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. It's like suddenly they've been waiting to come out. All of these other heavenly angels show up and it's like you have the stadium full of angels around them. And the thing is, up until now, this has never happened before. Never before have so many angels been visibly seen together. Which should make us think about the magnitude of this very moment, right? The magnitude of this moment. I mean, the word multitude can also be understood as an army. It's like you have this army of angels who show up when this announcement of the arrival of Jesus was made. And so if one angel was intense for them, imagine now with all these other angels there as well. 
But here's the thing. What were these angels doing? What were they doing when this announcement got out? They are praising God. They're praising God. Because when the good news comes out that there's a Savior for sinners, all these angels show up and they burst into praises for God. And what can we learn about the the way they're praising God, the way they are praising, what they are praising God for. Look at what they're praising God for from verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. This choir from heaven comes down to sing when King heaven's King comes down to save sinners like you and me. And what are they singing and talking about? The first thing they say is, Glory to God in the highest. This is such a big moment because this is what all of life is all about. Giving glory to God. The reason the world was made was to bring glory to God. The reason you were made was to bring glory to God. And now the angels are praising God because His Son has been born in Bethlehem. They're giving God the glory in the highest because the one who can come to save sinners and transform hearts to join the choir of the angels has been born. They're giving glory to God in the highest because people are now going to be able to turn from a life of sin and also sing the praises of God and give Him glory. And so the first thing they burst into praise for is praising God because this child is born. God gets the glory because Jesus has arrived. God gets the glory because He's the one who took the initiative to send the Savior for sinners. God gets the glory because He's the one who promised a Savior and now is delivering on that very promise. God gets the glory because when He became man, the special presence and glory of God has now been made visible. Not in a cloud, not in this raging fire, but in a person. Because when we look at Jesus, we see the absolute greatness and majesty of God. The powerful God of all creation who made us for His glory, to glorify Him with our entire lives, has become man, and He can be found where? In a humble manger in Bethlehem. And when you hear the gospel that for you a Savior has been born, you can't just be like, well, it's another Christmas. It's all about the presents and the food. It's about the holiday. The angels show us that Christmas is about the glory of God. It's about praising God. Because God gets the glory, and what do we get? 
and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest, and in contrast, we get peace here on earth. What kind of peace is he talking about? I mean, just last week we, we said that we live in a world where there are still so many people who are at war with each other. I mean, there's still literally a war going on in Israel. See, but the angels are not saying that there will never again be any conflict or, or war between people. What they are praising God for is that the, the Prince of Peace has come and He makes it possible for there to be salvation peace between us and God. This is the kind of peace, Romans 5, 1, where Paul goes on to elaborate further when he writes his letters, saying in Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And it only comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, whether you are aware of it or not, you are at war with God because of your sin. And because of the sin that wants to rule your life, you are at war with yourself and with other people. Now that Jesus has come, the angels are praising God because they know that Jesus is going to grow up so that He could take the place of that sheep in the field who are meant to be sacrificed. The angels are praising God because they know Jesus is going to die so that we can have peace with the Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. And so in response to His arrival, praises go up to God in the highest and peace goes where? The salvation peace goes where? Among those with whom He is pleased. Among those with whom He is pleased. You see, the angels are not saying that this peace is for those who have pleased God with their lives. You cannot earn this peace. No one deserves this peace. What the angels are saying is that salvation peace belongs to the people with whom God is pleased to give it. In other words, even though the good news of great joy is for all the people, not everyone knows this peace that the angels are praising God for. Do you know this peace that the angels are praising God for? If you are someone who has been given the gift of salvation, then you are a person of God's good pleasure. God has extended to you His good pleasure, and He is the one who gets the glory for it. You don't get the glory for it. And so the angels teach us what Christmas is really all about, don't they? It's about God getting glory and sinners like you and me getting peace with God. The angels are praising God because He has chosen to find pleasure and bringing salvation, peace to sinners. 
You've got to step back and appreciate what's going on here because the angels knew there was a sin problem. They knew there was this war between us and God. They knew the prophecies about the coming Messiah. They knew the ultimate sacrifice was coming. They knew God would humble Himself and become poor so that we may become rich. They knew that the same Jesus that has meant that He will save their people from their sins has now arrived. And so now, just outside of Bethlehem, where all of this is supposed to happen, they get to tell these ordinary men, these ordinary shepherds, that the Prince of Peace is finally here. And they're not just whispering it, are they? They are praising God, giving glory to God. Christ is not about the worth of man. It's about the mind-blowing mercy of God. The glory of the Lord has come in Jesus Christ. And if you have placed your faith and trust in Him, then you join the choir of angels singing praises for this baby in a manger. Sometimes we feel awkward because we don't want to join the choir, do we? But as this news comes to your ears and to your heart, you cannot help but praise God in the highest. When you've tasted of this peace that Jesus has brought, this peace between God and man, you cannot help but praise like the angels do. As soon as the shepherds were processing all this information, they immediately obeyed what they had heard, and so they go to go find this king. And after their visit with the king, because they found him, they saw him, they bowed down to him. Luke 2.20 tells us, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it has been told to them. You see, when you understand what Christmas is really about, you can also glorify God and praise God for all you have seen and, and all you have heard and all that has been told to you. Because today we have been reminded what Christmas is all about through the angels, through their appearing, through their announcement and through their song. And we see that Christmas is fundamentally, fundamentally about God's glory and peace for sinners. God gets the glory, we get the peace. The kind of peace that surpasses all understanding, the Bible talks about. The kind of peace that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus when we get anxious. The kind of peace that should make us peacemakers. All because of a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. All because God who decided to fix what man has broken. All because God who wants to be glorified because He is so infinitely glorious. 
When we sing one of the famous songs, and we're going to sing this one after this, this message, one of the lines is, Gloria in excelsis Deo. We know that song so well. And what it says is, Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Do you know this glory? Are you giving glory to God in the highest? Do you know this peace? Because the only way to find it is to turn to this baby in a manger. The only way to find it is by looking at the Savior, Christ the Lord. The angels we know, Scripture tells us, longed to look into the great news about forgiveness for sinners. These holy angels who who don't know what sinning is like. And yet God sends them to bring us this message. Nobody's like you and me. So that we can spread the news of this coming King that is now finally here. And we have this amazing peace with Him through this arrival, the death, and the resurrection of this child. I don't want us to waste this Christmas and miss the opportunity to glory in God. To give God the glory. To go through the routines of Christmas rituals. And minimize the peace that we have received. It is amazing that every year we get the opportunity to slow down and appreciate the fact that God not only became man, He did that for you. God not only grew up to die on a cross, He did that for you. And if the angels are praising God like they are in Revelation 4 and 5, they keep praising God, multitude upon multitude, millions and millions, then thousands upon ten thousands, angels praising God. Why should our Christmas look any different? He is finally here. A Savior, Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this familiar scene, this familiar text, this familiar moment. Lord, thank you that we can slow down again and just appreciate the magnitude of what you've done, the magnitude of this moment where into this silence we hear the cry of a child, our long-awaited king. Into the silence we hear the angels respond in worship and praise for the arrival of a Savior. Father, indeed we recognize, all of us in this room, that is my prayer, that we recognize we need a Savior. As we think about this year and all the many times we have failed you, it reminds us that we need a Savior. And Father, there's nothing that we can do to earn that salvation.
Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth for sinners like us. The war is over. Because of Christ, we are part of your family. By faith in this baby in a manger, and what he's done later in his life, perfectly dying on a cross on our behalf, rising from the dead. We are part of your family. May our Christmas be filled with your glory. May our hearts respond in praising you like the angels do. May our lives reflect your glory. May we glorify you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.